Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of season one of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. Hi there, everybody. It's Sarah Hanshar, your host. Can you believe it? It's been 30 episodes, plus three like little baby bonus episodes, but 30 episodes. It has been an absolute joy and pleasure to spend this time with you, to share all of these wonderful conversations with you. I am thrilled. I'm very, very thrilled. It's one thing to think idly, you know, I think I want a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And then you start doing it. And then I'll, I'll stop saying you and start saying I, because I can only speak to my own experience. And then I am like, okay, do this. Okay, do that. Okay, there seems to be a lot of this and that to do. And I'm beyond grateful that I've undertaken this challenge. And I'm very happy. I have learned a lot. I am very aware that I have much more to learn. And I am infinitely grateful from tippy toes to noggin. So anyway, hello, welcome. I am very excited about this episode for you. It's with my dear friend Elaine Pahacek, and we talk about her voyage into writing musicals. That's right, she writes musicals. You know, like what was just on the Tonys the other day? I know! She writes musicals and has co-written musicals and a lot of really great stuff. And as a hi, I think you're nice exclusive, hot off the presses, Elaine has shared some of her tracks with me. So I put three tracks at the end of this episode and of the SC episode. Gosh, talking is hard after 30 episodes. Um, So exclusive tracks for you at the end. That's special and just for you. Just for you. What? Thank you, Elaine. Very generous. It's now time for the season one roundup of thank yous. Thank you. Thank you to my patrons who are financially supporting this podcast. It really has been a huge relief and I am humbled by your kindness and your generosity and your support. I find it absolutely mind-blowing. I also want to say thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed this podcast. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. It does not go unnoticed and I am infinitely grateful. And once again, completely humbled because a lot of folks I don't even know are rating and reviewing. They're subscribing and they're sharing. And I'm blown away and and just so grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who's listened to Hi, I Think You're Nice, who recommends Hi, I Think You're Nice, and who spreads that Hi, I Think You're Nice energy out there. Because honestly, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for sharing that kindness, sharing that love, sharing support, sharing that niceness. And I couldn't do it without you. Otherwise, I'd just be a crazy person in her basement alone, talking to a microphone that goes nowhere. And maybe I still am in my dreams. (laughs) Sorry, that was weird, but no weirder than usual, right? And why wouldn't I want it weird for our last episode of season one? Now you're thinking, oh no, what about all your content? I just signed up, I just did Facebook, I just got on there. Don't make me go back to Facebook and then leave me. Dear listener, I would never do that to you because I am still going to have content. I'm going to be releasing content on Facebook and on Instagram and once in a while on Twitter, and I'll still be releasing podcast content. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you stay subscribed. 
because throughout my hiatus, throughout this quick break, I am going to be posting more outtakes, more behind the scenes things. I'm going to be remastering a number of episodes now that I understand how sound equipment works a little better. So make sure that you stay subscribed. Make sure you uh, subscribe if you haven't already, because more stuff is coming at you. I'm just taking a quick break. I just need like a minute, but I don't want to take a minute from you. So make sure that you email me at Sarah at I think you're nice. Find me on Facebook. I think you're nice. Instagram. I think you're nice. Twitter. I think you're nice. Contact me. Send me a message. Comment on things. Let me know what you're doing. Hey, what's nice this summer? What are you going to do that's nice? What's something nice that just happened to you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to the Madonna Inn in California. I highly recommend Google image searching the Madonna Inn, and I'm actually going to get to speak to somebody on staff and interview them for season two. So what's going on in your life? What do you want to hear about? What are you excited about? What topic is just like, hey, did you even know that they made cupcakes on the space station? I'm making that up. They don't actually do that. Not yet. So please keep in touch. I really want to hear from you. Without further ado, here is Elaine Pahachek talking all about writing musicals. Thank you so much for being here, dear listener. I love you more than I can possibly say. I hope you all have a wonderful summer and I'll be seeing you real soon. Don't forget to keep in touch, send me a postcard, or just say, hi, I think you're nice. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice. I am your host, Sarah Hanshar. This is a podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And today, it is my absolute pleasure and such joyous happiness, that makes sense, uh, that I'm. we're talking to my dear friend, Elaine Pahacek. Hello! Yay! Elaine is a brilliant musician. She's an outstanding Aww. singer. She's an incredible uh, composer, friend, a teacher. She's going to cry in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You you say that like you know me. (laughs) You don't know me. You You don't know me. You don't know me. Um, And Elaine and I had the pleasure of working together on uh, shows that she's written and shows that we've written together. She's been just a dear friend. And so hello and welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Yay. Now, I do want to say we've been talking for a solid two hours. (laughs) I haven't seen her in years. I know. (laughs) But we all knew, we all knew it was going to be a solid, yeah, Yeah. Mm two-hour pre-chat or post-chat because – for any anybody who who's out there who's ever been in voice lessons or anything like that, they know that their voice teacher is often their therapist. Also, one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think they should include therapy as part of the curriculum of being a vocal coach. <laughs> really, because when, yeah, you're, when you're singing, all of your feelings come up, mm-hmm. and like all of this stuff happens, and yeah. you know you're rehearsing usually for an audition or maybe a show, and so like it's high stress and it's high pressure and it's. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So um, I definitely scheduled in like 30 minutes of crying time for me, 30 minutes of crying time for Elaine, and then like an hour and a half of just laughing. And then... We might sing a song or two. We might sing a song or two. And we also might record this here podcast maybe. But we don't know. It never... But whatever happens, 
it's always magical. Oh, thank you. I like yeah. to think so. And now I'm cold again. <laughs> I'm having hot flashes and cold spells. She, she has put her sweater on and off at least six times during our conversation. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, you're actually, we're recording in my studio in Ocoee, Florida, which yes. is Dragonfly Studio and Productions. I just plugged myself. Good. What do you call it? You, so you call a studio? I call you it call a venue. Theater, a venue? Well, yeah, because it's two separate units, and on one side is my teaching space, and then on the side that we're in tonight is actually a venue. It's a 50-seat venue, and it's used for theater-type productions, but also improv comedy and stand-up comedy and recitals and Productions that will work in the space because it is a limited space. It's small, but it's a hive, and I it's a hive of creativity. And I, I often pitch it as a place for people to start. That yeah. if you're in a creative world and you need a a place to be vulnerable and a place to fail or a place to experiment, where it's safe and it's supportive and it's a loving place, yeah, then bring it here and try it out, and you never know what's going to happen. And then so this is I always say this is step one to launch you to whatever step two and step three ends up being. Yeah, so, yeah. This is a it's a perfect place to get something up on its feet mm-hmm. because so often like the creative process like let's say you've written this thing okay yeah. now where do I go with it exactly and you're not ready to like rent out a big house and you need yeah. to to workshop things and exactly and usually this is a surprise to nobody artists don't have a lot of money <laughs> what and so like to have a place that is yes. reasonably priced mm-hmm. by a fellow artist who knows yeah. the drill yeah um, and also to help people produce who've never produced before who don't know yeah. how to do it. You know, I, I get a lot of young artists in here going, I have this great idea for a show, but I have no idea what, what to comes do. Next. What comes next? How do I how do I get to festivals? How do I how do I get it in front of audiences? And that's not not only just as a space, but also as an artist who's gone that route. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I love answering those questions and being able to say, Okay, sit down with me, this is what you need to do. That's awesome. Yeah. So. And that's and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Elaine, we could have talked about any number of things <laughs> with Elaine from from just anything, just everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, festivals to singing to playing the piano to uh, vocal stuff. But what I wanted to talk to her about because I think it's incredible is that she writes musicals. Yes, I do. And whole like whole musicals, <laughs> like. All of them. So, like, the whole, like, like they're from start, the whole process. Yeah. Um, And she's had various creative partners. She's also done stuff Mm -hmm. solo. We have worked together. Yes, absolutely. And so I thought that'd be exciting to learn about because we, we often think of these things as being, like, unattainable, or at least I did for a long time, like, what? You can't just write a musical. You have to, <laughs> you know, you have to have a doctorate in it and like mm-hmm. a, some, Sorry. Uh, like a New York, like, I'm a professional person. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Do you, um, you need a, a mentor. You need somebody to come pluck you out of the, the universe to say, you're talented at this. Like, yeah. you almost need permission to do it. Yeah. But you don't need permission. You don't. You just need passion. <gasps> don't need permission. Just need yeah. passion. Yeah. TM. Dragonfly Studios. That's right. <laughs> drop mic. I won't drop your mic because it's don't. expensive. Thank you. <laughs> you can drop one of your own mics, which okay. are right behind you. I've got three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Elaine, when did you start writing your own songs? Is that something you did as a kid? or? Um, I Yes and no. I, I grew up in a Christian background. So I wrote a few praise and worship songs and things mm-hmm. for, for religious reasons because that was what I grew up, the environment I was growing up in as a musician, uh, but never really touted myself as a writer. Uh, I went to school for uh, music, a music education degree, and then ended up later concentrating in vocal pedagogy. That's why I'm a vocal coach. But um, So I don't even have an education really in composition directly. Okay. Of course, I'm a musician. Yeah. I'm a singer. I 
play piano, I play woodwinds, and what have you. So, of course, I have a working knowledge of music, but I was never, never pursued. In fact, if by any chance my orchestration professor is listening to this from college, I put off <laughs> that class, and I did not do well in that class, and I had to retake it, and then had it incomplete oh, really? for a while, and then, <laughs> then finally went back. As the very last thing I handed in to finally get my degree was to finish that incomplete in that class was a yeah. final project because I put it off so much because I disliked it so much. The orchestration, so the orchestra- like coming up with the composing of yeah. from the ground up. Yeah. So that cla- the cla- the very thing that I'm doing now professionally is the thing that I avoided the most in college. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, weren't ready for it yet. <laughs> it wasn't my soul; just wasn't ready yeah. to absorb <laughs> orchestration, whatever that means. Um, so now, fast forward, I start teaching. I have my teaching studio. And I'm here in Orlando, Florida, so I'm dealing with a lot of amazing, talented human beings in this town as a vocal coach. And along comes Miss Katie Hammond, uh, who was a client of mine. And she was putting together a cabaret, and it asked me to write, like, five songs with her. Because um, I don't know if this would be appropriate to say in this podcast. You, uh, no, it, swearing is fine. <laughs> sexy stuff is fine. Like, everything's fine. As oh, in that case. In that case. It's going uh, blue. No, no, but I used to, uh, and there's a couple people out here uh, who know me who listen to this will who have also experienced this, but mm-hmm. when in my old studio, you would go to the bathroom and I would play the piano. <laughs> and I would do that for courtesy that you couldn't be embarrassed <laughs> to hear that you would know that I wasn't listening to you pee. Yeah. So I would take her on the piano. To you yeah. pee. <laughs> so I believe it was Stu uh, Jameson who um, was friends with Katie, but he was also a client of mine. He started to coin it as pee music. Oh, that's some, <laughs> you play me some pee music while I go to the bathroom. I'd be I mean, like, I have hit no it. idea of this. <laughs> So hit, play your pee music. Play the pee. So that's really what started. And so Katie had come out of the bathroom being like, keep playing that, and started coming up with some melodies and mm-hmm. some words. And that's really what then prompted her to ask me later to write a couple songs with her. Uh, so we wrote five songs. They weren't attached to really anything directly, but as we're writing them, we're going, hey, these are pretty good. And then when we did them for the cabaret, people responded really favorably to them. And we said, all right, let's write a musical. Yeah. How do you? Dang. That's exactly what happened. And we went, okay. And so we wrote Delayed, which was our very first show, which had some rough spots, but we were cutting our teeth and we were learning how to do it. And we really were two people who had enough knowledge of how to do it, but did not have professional knowledge. The whole set. Yeah. Yeah. We were coming at it from like, well, let's just give it a shot and see what happens. And so we did. Yeah. And so then we did a reading here in Orlando um, of Delayed and it went over really well. We got some critiques. We were putting out sheets. We were getting mm-hmm. feedback. We learned from that show. But in the midst of doing that show, we also uh, – actually, Katie came up mainly with the idea for Seasons, which was uh, more relationship-based and more serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that particular show has been the one that's been touted or has gotten the most attention um, out of all the shows I've written at this point. Uh, so – and it came out of such an organic place. It was – hey, I want to write about cancer. I want to write about things that matter to people. Mm -hmm. I want to give people emotional validation. I want to give people a chance to see something on stage that is just honest. And that's where we wrote from. And I think when when you are a writer that is coming at something that you've never done before, you can't help but do it honestly because you have no preface to come from. You are creating your identity as an artist in the moment while you're creating. And so I think that's really the magic behind Seasons is that it is such an organic 
honest piece of work and people inevitably always respond to it because it was written by two women who were just writing out of emotion, not out of intent of making a million dollars or making a Broadway musical. It was yeah. just creating something for the sake of the beauty of creating it. Yeah. And I think that that is a, I've learned that that is the best place to create from because it's honest. Yeah. So just watching you talk about this process, like it brings <laughs> you so much joy and it's such a joy yeah. to like yeah. hear you talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yup. Uh-huh. So, so, yep. yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you for that validation. You're welcome. <laughs> so, I'm so good yeah. at validating. <laughs> <laughs> so now you fast forward from there and that season's done well. I've written other shows. I've written Happy Pink Girl mm-hmm. for you. Um, shows like Frankenchrist for Fringe, little Fringe Festivals with Thomas Robian. And then um, have now my most recent one is uh, Lady Juliana, which is completely written by myself. Yeah. So from top to bottom. Yeah. yeah. That's um, – I'm, yeah. I'm going to chime in because I want to elbow <laughs> into uh, Elaine's success is uh, Katie and I work together at Disney. Yeah. And uh, Katie's an excellent improviser and yeah. um, singer and funny person, comedian and what, yeah. what have you, actor. And um, I remember <laughs> uh, – you guys had this for delayed. It was about being stuck at an airport mm-hmm. and hence delayed because Katie had like 30 <laughs> weddings that year or yeah, something. She was just, yeah, just, just over it. it. She was over, over it. <laughs> and I was, I was playing one of, uh, I was playing a bridesmaid who mm-hmm. was like, could not wait to, to be, to get married someday. <laughs> and the song was really high. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we make this higher? Because I wanted to make sure like no one else could sing it. <laughs> I remember you saying that yeah. too. You'd be like, <laughs> I was selfish. I was selfish because I'm like, if, because when, not if, but yeah. when, when this becomes a thing, I want to make sure like the, <laughs> the casting pool is, is shallower because it's so high. It is so high. Because um, it had like, Someday it will be my turn. Like so, it was like the craziest song and the funnest song ever. I'm like, what is this? It was a brand new way to create Mm -hmm. because you, because your your method. uh, Maybe it's similar for a lot of other people, but I think of it having to be this like really formal thing. But in this Mm -mm. case, you guys had. Uh, you know, Katie had these lyrics, and the and I don't know if she helped you with melody lines or whatever. We would very much crossover a lot. Yeah. Um, and then speaking from experience with mm-hmm. us working together, like I'm like, okay, well, here is the lyrics of the song, and here is the hook that I have, and like the melody line I'm thinking of. And then Elaine is very, very talented at like Aww. at <laughs> digging around and like finding like the the yummy, gorgeous music to go yeah. with it. Because just me doing stuff a cappella wasn't quite enough for a whole show. Um, there was always very entertaining. You'd be like, it's something like this. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. I got it. We're good. Yeah. 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 You know, you get it, right? And she did because she's magic. Um, yeah. So I, I, so like, what is, what is your, what is your process? I mean, like, how do you process these Songs that you've written, like for you, you you specifically for solo work that you've done. So if I write for my own stuff, yeah, it is. Well, let me let me put a little tag on the song that you were mentioning. That someday it'll be my turn. Yeah, Uh, is that I, as a vocal coach, always looking for audition material for my students. Went 
I'm going to, since I now have this platform as a writer, I want to write the type of songs and for the type of singers that don't always get to have the funny. The high soprano doesn't always get to have the funny. Rarely. That's why we all sing yeah. vanilla ice cream. Exactly. Because we never get a funny does. effing song. Yeah. There's like one. There's yeah. or two. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, and then inevitably when Delayed came out, I got tons of requests for the sheet music for that song because of that very reason. P- sopranos would be like, my God, it's a funny, super high song. Mm-hmm. And I, it's their glory moment because it just doesn't exist. So I was writing a lot of this stuff with that stuff in the back of my mind going, I want to create, I want to fill the holes that I feel that exist yeah. in repertoire. I didn't even think about that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very much so. And then I would, <laughs> it sounds narcissistic, I'd give my own songs to my students. Here, sing my song. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Spin my material. <laughs> Weave it, my little darling. <laughs> yes. Sing it for the universe. <laughs> make me make me popular and amazing. Uh, no, that's not at all. Maybe a little. But I just... <laughs> it can be both. It can be both. These are genuinely good songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because they're they're off the beaten path, they're written by, at that point, <laughs> I say that now, um, very obscure. You know, you're not, nobody else was going to be singing these songs because they're written by yeah. a local writer. That is not universally known. So they're going to New York with these songs, and they don't have to worry about anybody else singing them because they're not formally published. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, as far as, like, you asked me about what my inspiration is when I write my solo works. Now, especially in, in very much in the context of Lady Juliana, is that I love to write strong women characters. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the 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 draw for songs comes from a very emotional place mm-hmm. for me. I write, I don't, you know, as women, we get chastised sometimes for being emotional. How how dare you have feelings? How dare you cry? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do half the time, me and Elaine. Not women, just, just me and Elaine. Just half the time we're crying with each other. You know, exactly. But just like take that conversation in context, right? We yeah. have highs and lows. We laugh, we cry, but we're communicating, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm writing a song, I like it to embody that same thing. It's a form of communication. I don't want to sing at you. I don't want my characters to just blast you with, um, this is me, this is what I'm supposed to be, this is a great song, or this is a what. No, I want it to be a form of emotional communication. So I'll always go to a place, like for instance, a song, uh, Destiny from Lady Juliana, which is, you know, this is finally my time. I'm going to find my identity, which is, which is a subject that a lot of women struggle with, is who am I? You know, am I is are my circumstances dictating to me who I am or am I dictating to my circumstances what I'm supposed to be? And so I go to those places and I will draw from my own personal experiences, whether it be divorce, whether it be an argument with my mom, whether it be a family member, my mm-hmm. father, you know, dealing yeah. with cancer and eventually passing away. I, I draw on those emotions so that when I'm having that character sing that emotion, people in the audience go, I know exactly what that feels like. I know exactly where that person is right now. No matter where it is in context of the story, I don't care. If it's inevitably I fit into the story, of course there has to be a story. It's a musical, you know? But each song emotionally has a very specific intent. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. But but my big thing is communication. There's always that meme where it says, where words words speak, music. Mm -hmm. um, Where words fail, music speaks. Yeah. Right? I feel that way with musicals. That's that's where my heart is, is that I want to say something and that's my vehicle in order to say it, you know. And it's to bring – my big thing is validation, that everybody is valid. Everybody is important. Everybody matters. 
everybody's emotional state, where they are, whether it be sadness or fear or happiness or joy or anger, it's valid. It matters. You're allowed to organically have those emotions because if you don't have those emotions, then you're not living. Mm. And if you're not creating, you're not living. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm in a lot of therapy. So, like, I also <laughs> want to say all of those feelings are valid. Yeah. Like, it's important to have them and to recognize yeah. them and to yeah. be able yeah. to, to name it, to tame it and all of those yeah. things. And mm-hmm. But also find a way. I'm not going to lie to you, Elaine. <laughs> when I've been super sad, uh, I have sung one of the songs from Lady Juliana that you Aww. had me sing. Uh, oh, where is he, my lonely Johnny? Yeah. Yeah. I am afraid all alone. There's no place for me. Oh, you made me cry, Like, Sarah. <laughs> it is, that song, it makes me cry because yeah. it's a, there, sometimes it, when there's something inside of you, and other yeah. people might feel this way when they run or when they when they paint or when they create yeah. something. For me, like, I, I, I get frantic and I don't know what to do with myself. So I'm like, I just have to sing about it. And, <laughs> and so many of your songs and the songs mm-hmm. that we've written together even have, like, have this therapeutic way of, like, I can I can say it. I can get it off my chest. I can get yeah. my heart. It's gross. I always say, get my heart out my mouth. Like I no, want, but it's true. But I want to like off gas these feelings, and I don't yeah. know how. And now it's making me crazy that I can't remember the first part. What is the first part of that? You can ask me this. Yes. This is really not. Yes. There it is. Hey, this is lower, isn't it? No. Yeah. It, a it little is. bit. Yeah. Yeah. How dare <laughs> you? How dare you? Says the soprano. How dare you lower it? No. It must be in the stratosphere. <laughs> this is really not my home. Oh, where are you, my lovely Johnny? I'm afraid and all alone. There's no place for me. Uh, yes. Anyway, so I guess the point of all of that is, thank you for drawing that up for me. No, um, uh, for it's just It's also just to validate literally the things that you just said. Yeah. Like, we all have these feelings, and sometimes there is no other way to, to communicate them. I've, I've written yeah. so many songs in the car. That super sad song I emailed <laughs> yeah. you, I, I was just singing it in the car because I'm like, I, there's, I, there's no song already written that I like that, that feels this feeling for me. Mm-hmm. And so, and then you, I, yeah. for me anyway, I like, I improvise it yeah. and then I send it to musicians. I'm like, <laughs> now make it a song. <laughs> go do something with this, please. Cause I yeah. can give you basic chords, but anyway, yeah. yeah, it's a really cool process. Yeah. Good job, Elaine. I like you. Thank you. I like you too, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and inevitably I have drugged Sarah all over literally the world with yep. me to do Happily. my shows. <laughs> Happily. Cause you sung that particular song in England. Yeah. When we did uh, at seasons. Um, no, we delayed Juliana. Sorry. Yeah. In England. Uh, Seasons also was in that same uh, town. So I got a chance to do Seasons and Lady Juliana two, three years apart with the York New Musical Festival. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, I guess we should probably talk about what Lady Juliana is and uh, like what what the what the show is. If you're if we're ready to talk about (laughs) what it's about. Sure. It is uh, not particularly nice. Sorry, I don't mean no. to keep cutting you off, but it is a very important <laughs> Do you want me story. to tell it or not, Sarah? I want you to tell it in just five more minutes when okay. I'm done talking. Okay. No. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. What's oh. it about? What is it? Who's Lady Juliana? Is she a girl? What is no. that? She's a boat. <gasps> She's a boat. She's a boat. 
Okay. <laughs> I'll hush now. <laughs> um, in in the musical world, they would call this the elevator pitch. So I okay. will give you the elevator pitch. So this is when you're they, that term comes from when you're stuck in an elevator with a producer and you have two seconds yeah. between floors and you have his undivided attention. And they producers really love this when you attack them with the story plot. They love uh, it. <laughs> that's sarcasm. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so the Lady Juliana is a historical piece. It's based on all true stories. It's about the women convicts that were sent from England. Um, in the late 1700s, uh, right after the American Revolutionary War, to colonize Sydney or Australia. Mm-hmm. It was referred to as Sydney Cove at the time. And uh, it is how the um, English government, when a, a lot of the women had assumed male roles, just like here in America during the war, World Wars, World mm-hmm. War I, World War II, uh, a lot of the women had assumed male roles. roles You get the point. Uh, So when the Revolutionary War was over and all of the British troops came back to England, uh, the king mandated that all these women relinquish their jobs to the men. So these were educated women that more or less were turned out to the streets. So they were forced to destitute, either become prostitutes or become thieves or to resort to shoplifting and what have you. So there ended up being this mass amount of women in the prisons because they had no way to take care of themselves. Yeah, they once had a livelihood and they and had now their they own didn't. And they were stripped and then, from it. Yeah. yeah. And so the British um, uh, government literally was throwing them away. They were sen- sentencing them to death. They were just saying, oh, you stole a loaf of bread? Death. Hanging. It was just that immediate. Jeez. So then... Now the king goes, well, we're going to focus on our la- one of our more, or at that point, one of the stronger colonies, which was Australia, since they just lost the Americas. And so he said, well, we're going to change all their sentences to transport, and which meant that they got sent to Australia. Cool. So where at that point it was just men. So they were trying to build up Australia. So they send all these women to settle the men. And their prison sentence was marriage. She... <laughs> She keeps doing air quotes to, like, settle the men. Because like, we know send, that's going to happen. Send these women for marriage. Yeah, none like, of this okay. uh, was uh, chill. No, it's like, not okay. This is not okay. No, no. All right. So these women are now on the boat. And um, some of the women were unsavory. They were legitimate criminals. <laughs> but sure. most of them were these women that were cast. And some of them were children, 13, 14 years old, mm. babies. And so um, the women are on the boat. I'm going to make this story a little shorter. Just a little. Uh, You really don't have to worry about it. It's a fascinating (laughs) story. Like, it's great. Yeah. Uh, So they are, these women are now on the boat and they're going to Sydney. And it's a long trip. It's like a year and a half that they're on this boat. Yeah. (laughs) Because they didn't have planes. Uh, What? what? In the 1700s? Oh, my God. So they're on the boat and they get to the first port. And, of course, these ports are filled with men. And so they hear about a boat full of women, Mm. uh, roughly like 300 women on this boat. And so, of course, the assumption or the uh, conclusion of these men at the ports is we're going to board the boat and we're going to take advantage of them, to say it lightly. So uh, the male officers were not on the boat at this particular first port and so the men did in fact board the boat and they did in fact try to take advantage of the women now the women fought back uh but they there were some consequences to these to what had happened and it was a bad altercation uh so they fight off the men the men leave the boat but the women instead of being victims said hey uh there's several of us on this boat that are legitimate prostitutes yeah we've been with sex workers before we know this drill we know what to do so we're going to start a brothel on this boat and they did that as a means to protect the women and the children that were on the boat from being attacked and for then being raped so it was the women saying kind of working what is thrown at them and making it 
a um, a good thing instead of a bad thing and a way to self-preserve or yeah. self-preservation. What's the word? Self- yeah, self-preservation. Yeah, preservation. Yeah. So they start a brothel. They go to the next port. It works, right? The men come aboard. They're willing to pay a little. They get what they need. They get what they want. They leave the boat. So now the women go, huh, because a lot of these other women were haberdashers and had worked in the clothing mills and the shops and knew how to make clothing, the ones who were not prostitutes. So they take mm-hmm. the profits from the brothel and start a clothemaking business on the boat. So now they got two businesses spinning on this boat. they got a brothel and a haberdasher or haberdasher, whatever the word is. They make clothes. <laughs> so <laughs> you think I would know. It's my story. <laughs> so, um, so now this boat is traveling from port to port, and these women are making a lot of money on this boat and so it is that initial thing is and and the captain and the crew let it happen now there was a little pushback from a lieutenant and i take advantage of that for story reasons to Mm -hmm. make him the villain the song Um, you guys uh, this song (laughs) you just hate him you just want to like it's so good it's so delicious his song is so good Mm -hmm. they're just damaged cargo you're like oh you dick. <laughs> but it's so good. It's like, yeah. um, not to compare it to like <laughs> Little Mermaid, but you know what? Like Ursula's yeah, thing, you're like, it's that. that delicious, you evil, yeah. but I totally get it, but you're evil, you piece of shit. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, his song is yummy. I do love that song. <laughs> it's a great yeah, song. I do love that. It's one of my favorites. Because it is so just, you, there is no doubt, you know exactly who this man is after yeah. that song. You know exactly. He talks about marrying just for money, about how all he cares about is status. He cares about who he is as a man. It's a very machismo kind of. And all women are nothing to him. So they inevitably arrive in Sydney. uh, To make a long story short, they are able to keep the money Mm -hmm. through their own means. They hide it. And one of the, through an ally on the boat, through one of the other men. Uh, And they arrive in Sydney, wealthy women. And so the, and this is true stories. These are all true. And so they get to Sydney and these women, yes, they marry off and they, they finish their sentences and some of them stay married and some of them leave the men Mm -hmm. um, after their sentences, but they have children, what have you. But a lot of them started businesses. They started the first um, uh, general store. One was the main agricultural, like they started a whole farming company and like fed the country. Oh my God. In Tasmania. Another one was, uh, they called her the mother of Australia. She was the younger, one of the younger girls. We should have had like 25 children. Holy crap. (laughs) She like, she, she populated (laughs) Sydney all by herself. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then uh, also a shipping company. Uh, which was yeah. the the main harlot, the one who runs the brothel. The main she, <laughs> she. Uh, I think the term is sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> she was good at her job, and so, but no, but she, yeah, whatever, uh, she man. started a transport, and these businesses, about seventy five percent of them still exist today. For real, for real. The 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 one the one I just talked about mm-hmm. who started the shipping company it's the main shipping company still in Sydney. That's amazing. And it's, so it's mind blowing. And the reason Australia is what it is is because of this very specific boat of women that the, ended up in Australia. Its foundation. Yeah. So to me, the message of that story is England threw these women away. Mm-hmm. They gave them no value. They were going to kill these women. And look at what these women ended up doing. Yeah. You know, and so they left something where they would have had nothing in England and they more or less were given an amazing opportunity. And they took what they could have emotionally said was damning. 
Yeah. I'm thrown away. I'm a convict. I have nothing. I have no job. I have no prospects. I have nothing. Yeah. Everything's been stripped away from me. And they could have wallowed in that, but they didn't. They were smart. They thought on their feet. They were scrappy. Yeah. In a time where they were given zero worth and they created their own worth. Yeah. And that's just... Yes, that's a whole lot of yes. Yeah, that makes me want to <laughs> smash a chair. And they'll be like, something. "Come on, I got to bring it. Just drop bring the mics." <laughs> <laughs> no, no it I is. won't mess up yeah. there. I won't drop your mics either. No drop yeah. miking, mic dropping. So. <laughs> but there's some beautiful sub stories in there that I'm skipping over. But that's the gist of the story. And it's it's not so much about a women empowerment, but it's about we make choices that determine what we are capable of doing or what we are not capable of doing, and how we define our circumstances can define our lives. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you can be <laughs> handed a severely raw deal yeah. that ain't fair, that is no. not fair. No. And, um, I mean, there's, of course, uh, there are millions of ways to, to yeah. cope with that or to not sure. cope with that, and there's no right or wrong way, but it is empowering to see, like, people just work so hard and be mm. so smart and to work together. It's an incredible story. It was uh, based on a book, You would, mm-hmm. or you were inspired by the yeah. book. The book is called The Floating Brothel. Yeah. And the Lady Julianne is the name of the boat. And yeah. so that, that's where that name comes from. And um, and it, it was all inspired from a PBS special that I watched. Oh, really? Yeah. And I watched the special before I started ever writing with Katie. So it goes back oh. that far. I saw the special, and I was so, like yes about this story. I was like, yeah. I love the story. I want to do something with this. I don't know, but it so impacted me. And then it just through the process of then writing with Katie and then getting better at writing, I said, oh, I should go back to that and make that a musical. Yeah. that's a, It's a story that nobody here at least hears, you know? Yeah. And then oddly enough, we got to do it in England and yeah. we got to see where the women like yeah. were you know, gathered up and sent off from. And then I got to, and then I got invited to do Lady Juliana, the workshop version with a college program in Sydney. In Australia. In Australia. So I got to see where the women were sent off. Uh-huh. And then I got to see where they, fi- I stood there physically where they were. Chills. Yeah. I have chills right now. Yeah. And it was, it was a mind blowing experience. I, I wept. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we laugh easy, we cry easy. Well, I'm not going to apologize for us. We do great. We do great. Yeah. So, um, so that's that. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing yeah. story, and I'm I'm I, I'm blown away by the story and how you have handled the content of it because it's very, it's not one dimensional. It's very thoughtful. The music is gorgeous, mm. you guys. It is. So gorgeous. I remember we were in rehearsal. We were in York, and oh, no. Oh, his name has escaped me. Um, uh, Larry. Oh, there, the captain? Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant captain. Yeah. That old salty English. So good. (laughs) Um, Because Simon, he was a bad guy, right? He was was a lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. Just damage cargo. (laughs) Anyway, but Larry was in rehearsal, and so we were all, like, coming in and singing, and Larry was just sitting there enraptured, and he said... Every song I hear, I think is the best song until I hear the next song, and then that one's the best song. And it really is just such a gorgeous, gorgeous show. Um, 
Aww. And each character, there's, oh, you guys. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Elaine, you have to. Are these, can anyone listen to this somehow? Is there um, a way that. I actually have, ladies and I kind of locked down. Okay. I don't have it where it's online. There's a few tracks on YouTube okay. you'll find. Um, I'm doing that mainly because I am trying to push the show. And so I, you don't want to necessarily have it out there readily In available. The okay. Yeah, when you're trying to produce something. Now, Seasons uh, and a lot of other stuff is available on YouTube. Okay. If you just Google my name. Elaine Pahacek. I will spell it for you. I should go ahead and spell it right now. It's got a more E's in it than you'd think. <laughs> it's because I'm, oh, I was going to say amazing, but it starts with an A. <laughs> I am, and I give up. <laughs> I'll leave the funny to Sarah. I'll just write the music. <laughs> no, nah, Elaine's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Spell your last name, Janet. <laughs> uh, it is P-E-C-H-A-C-E-K. C-E-K. No matter how hard. No. I always spell it wrong yeah. and differently wrong yeah. each time. N- you're not alone. I'm this sorry. Is, you're a dear friend who I've known sorry. forever. Nobody cares. I care. Okay. I just I have you. to look at Facebook every <laughs> time. Every time. Um, uh, so, yeah. If you Google uh, me in general... Elaine Pahacek, you'll you'll get a lot of resources. A lot of things will come up. Yeah, um, yeah. Because so, there's, yeah. there's so many beautiful songs. The one that I was thinking of, that I wish the 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 people could hear. But you will someday, obviously. Um, I'll give you some of the tracks, and you can play them with the podcast. <gasps> what really? Some of the live recordings. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can do that. So this That'd way people be amazing. Can hear. Mm-hmm. I'll let you have it because I love you, Sarah. You. I feel so special. <laughs> Yeah, these journeys that you take us on, yeah. they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love them. Um, I can't wait until everyone can hear this for like out in the world because yeah. it's it's only a matter of time. Like we all know that. It is. It is. And I yeah. yeah, I am so humbled by my journey. You know, it literally these all these ideas happen in my little office, my second bedroom in mm-hmm. my house. You know, even when Sarah first came in today, she hugged my piano in my new studio. I was like, did. this is where we started old, writing on this old piano. Bullet. <laughs> oh, bullet. Because there's a bullet hole in her piano. <laughs> For reals. For, For real, though. I bought, that's why I bought it. Well, <laughs> it's not my bullet hole. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't cause the bullet hole. Yeah, Elaine did not shoot her piano. Somebody else did. Does that make it better? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it has a for real bullet hole in it. <laughs> And it's, uh, yeah, I hugged that piano yeah. and I got a little emotional because I yeah. remember standing next to it and like hashing these things out and yeah. listening to things. And yeah. And now I sit back and I go, these shows have opened literally all over the world. Like, how humbling is that? I don't know. How humbling is it? I'm going to cry. Is that humbling? <laughs> surprise, surprise. No, it's, it is, yes, it's validating as an artist. Yes, it's validating as a creative. But it, the only reason these shows have gotten where they've gotten is because people have connected to them. And that's the part that's beautiful. It's a piece of me. All these, so- all these songs, all these shows, they're little pieces of my life that people connect to. And how beautiful is that? You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a blessed person. <laughs> you've, also, <laughs> you've also worked really hard. Sure. I um, mean, yeah, I know, but... I mean, I mean, yeah. you are. I mean, it's important yeah. for all of us to take stock and know that it it takes yeah. it does take luck. It takes support. It takes a community. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, it takes hard work and dedication and yeah. late nights and yeah. and it, writing till three, four o'clock in the morning. And oh, when I've taught all day and 
I'm shaking my head because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've told Elaine to go to bed. Go she to bed. Does, for real. Go to bed. Especially because now I'm on the West Coast where I, I, it's midnight with me and I see that she's still posting stuff. I'm like, go to bed. You go home and you go to bed right now. Because yes, I, ma'am. I know that you're working, but one must sleep. You have to sleep. You have to have dinner. You have what to lay that? down. No, you <laughs> but you know but, but that's that's where passion is in the mix yeah I'm passionate about it and and I yeah. love it and and it's amazing and awesome and fun and I count my blessings so but yeah, yeah. I will go I will go to sleep Sarah I, <laughs> I say that as it's like 11 <laughs> o'clock at night um because like I said we had to we had mm-hmm. we had a lot of laughing to do and a lot of crying <laughs> to do first oh. um but going back to like your creative process okay. so we, we kind of talked uh, about how you got started and like where you where you're coming mm-hmm. from is from an emotional place is from mm-hmm. uh, conveying those things. So what do you love about this process? Like what do you is there a particular aspect of it or do you feel like you get put through the ringer or all of the above? I I I mean I've expressed a lot of of what I love about mm-hmm. the process. I, I love the ability to connect with people, but. Um, to talk about other aspects, there's the business side of it. Yeah. You know, I have not formally set my my musicals up with any publishing companies or houses or mm-hmm. anything. And that's typically part of the process or to get an agent to represent the shows. I've not done any of that. I've, I've been very unorthodox how I've done it. I have... I kind of made a decision in the beginning to be I want to always hold the rights for the shows. So... Um, I'm a business owner, so I have some savviness on the business side. So I decided to self-publish mm-hmm. and, and to be my own advocate. Because who's going to want to represent the shows more than the writer? Who knows the show, knows the material? If I put it in the hands of somebody else to represent the show, then they're purely looking at it from a business standpoint and not from the connectivity aspect that I love yeah. about it. And then also... Now, that's I, I consider that to be the longer process mm-hmm. because if you put it with somebody else, they're going to push it and then you kind of shake your hands of it and you move on to the next process or the next musical, the next thing you want to, next project you want to work on yeah, which while, is, while they pedal it, which is totally fine yeah. and that's the way it works and that's, that's the business. But I chose to kind of go this slower route and I'm glad I did because I've been able to personally see these songs, or not songs, but these musicals change and morph as different people have gotten a hold of them and I've now am going to profit more from the shows as a writer because now other bigger houses are picking up on these shows and I'm I now because I've held on to the full rights I'm going to make more money from the shows. Well, hey, neat. <laughs> Which, How uh, dare you call this a business and make <laughs> make money off your art? I oh, oh, but still my heart. Oh, but what? still my heart. What? You know, I can, I can, yeah, all of your hard work is I can, worth so yeah, much. It is. And now those, those corners are turning now. And now I'm not only getting to enjoy the writing process, but I'm getting to enjoy the producing process. And I'm getting to enjoy the licensing process to see that – People are buying into, like I was saying earlier when I brought up the piano, people are buying into these little nuggets of ideas that I had 10 years ago. I've been doing this now 10 mm-hmm. years. How amazing is that? That now I was talking to you about a certain opportunity with Seasons mm-hmm. where something that went from this little nugget of idea, now somebody's putting thousands and thousands of dollars behind to produce. Like, what? 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 What is that? Oh. Okay, you know, 
Um, so it's cool to see that. And, it's, and of course, it's validating. And of course, you're like, oh, I'm awesome. I can write musicals. No. She just flicked her hair back <laughs> I did. dramatically. I'm very dramatically. That's why yes. we do it. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it's just cool. I don't know what else to say about it. It's That's just fair. It's neat to be in the process. And, you know, and now hearkening back to having Dragonfly and having this venue is that now I, I kicked all these doors open because I was so determined to do it on my own, mm-hmm. being my own publisher, finding these investors, finding producers, doing my own contracts, figuring out how to do my own contract, <laughs> making mistakes doing my own contract. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I kicked the computer out on accident. Oh, my God. <laughs> I no. know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but so, you know, doing this whole process. But now... I get to reverse that clock and have a venue, and now all those doors I kicked open, I can keep my foot in that door and now allow all these other new writers to mm-hmm. come through these same channels that I did. How cool is that? You know? Yeah. So, yes, I've created art and I've created musicals and I've, I've taken my meager talents that I have to create these works. But now on the producer side, because I've learned all of this, now I can train and help all these other people that, like me, I had no idea how to do this. But now I can say I do know – do it this way because it mm-hmm. works and come with me. Come with me. Come do this with me. We yeah. can we can now create an amazing community of writers instead of it just being me. Now I'm creating a network. And that brings change. You want to change a community, you create a community. Yeah. You and know? then just storm the castle. And then be like, come on. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put a show on Broadway. No. Uh, no, but, <laughs> but that's really? how you change a community. Yeah. And so. of course, and like Broadway is not – Far away. It's funny mm. how small the world is yeah. and how yeah. close it is and how it doesn't it, – you know, it, in Seattle we have Fifth Ave. We have these really great theaters mm. who, have, who have stories and who have musicals that are, that are fine mm-hmm. and incredible, like Next to Normal came out of there. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite shows in the last yeah. – in forever, really. Um, and, like, it's incredible to see, like, wow – it just it just takes a moment. It just yeah. takes so no, you're doing it. You're doing yeah. it. You're getting there. She <laughs> I can't tell you again how hard Elaine has worked <laughs> to get to this point. Yeah. Like it is It is. It's a lot of not sleeping. It's a lot of burning the midnight oil. It's a lot of mistakes. But you don't succeed unless you make mistakes. Yeah. And and you don't learn unless you're doing it. And so I it is a lot of work. Yeah. But you know. It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth yeah, it, it. is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you that you think it's worth it because <laughs> I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of like you, and that I don't. <laughs> actually, I'm a lot like you, and that I don't. When I make something, it's mine. I yeah. made it, and mm-hmm. it's mine. Thank you very much, and I. <laughs> don't want to relinquish control and so like yeah. when I'm working on stuff in my in my little studio in my basement which I love <laughs> and now I totally get I'm like oh it's one o'clock in the morning I swear it was just 6 p.m. see go it to was, bed Sarah go to bed see, go to bed Sarah I need and honestly I do get crabby at Patrick I'm like I just need a half more hour and then I realize oh that was two yeah. and a half hours yeah you genuinely don't know where the time goes because yeah. you're like sucked into this yeah. world you're of, in a vortex yeah. yeah and it's a it's a happy vortex at least it mm-hmm. is usually for me I'm happy to be in it yeah. um but I 
I'm constantly, I'm constantly turning, my stomach is turning in knots, like, oh my God, is this any good? Does anyone even like this? Is this purely a vanity project? Uh, will this do have any impact? Is it just terrible? Is this just straight up <laughs> terrible? I don't know. And, but, God, that is so true. <laughs> right? You're just constantly, and I'm just constantly just, even, not even just yeah. a podcast, but like, like the songs we've, we've written. Yeah. We've, um, going to Happy Pink Girl for a minute. So I had mm-hmm. an idea to do a one woman show about, basically it was about my life and my life as Happy Pink Girl. And, <laughs> uh, but how that also encompasses a lot of other feelings that is not necessarily yeah. happy. And like what it, what it means to find your joy and find your peace with yourself and et cetera, et cetera. And, it was terrifying. And so some nights, like we did it at Fringe, some nights we had a nice house, yeah. some nights we had four people. Yeah. And those, Oof. that feels awful. That feels <laughs> it so is. bad. Yeah. But then, I don't know if you have to remember, there's two girls yeah. who came up to us yeah, afterward. Yeah. And I had one, one of the songs was, uh, or one of the, yeah, Pretty One. Um, it's a song and a, a short story about how, Coming to terms with body image and mm-hmm. body dysmorphia and eating story. disorders and all of yeah. these things and um, how it's a struggle and a journey for everyone, uh, like lady, gentlemen, our pals, non-binary pals, like it is, mm-hmm. it is a struggle and how we look, the way we look, either it's weight or height or whatever. And so, like I, I told the story and I sing the song called um, "I Don't Have to Be the Pretty One," you know, and da 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 da. Anyway, so it's actually a lovely song. It's, mm-hmm. uh, or at least to toot my own horn, I think it has yeah. a nice message. Um, and these two girls came up after after the show, and you know, they're like, "Thank you so much. That was such a great song." And they opened up how they had one girl like she's yeah. like, "I'm I'm currently in recovery from an eating disorder, and it means the world to me to see someone be brave and say these words and to sing this song and to yeah. find." Again, to the music, the music can say what words can't, yeah. and um, and like that stuck with me. We're still friends on Facebook, and she's doing great. She's like Miss America, I think. Now. What? I don't know. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, That's awesome. I don't think she's Miss America, but she's like she's, she's successful. She's successful. She's, yeah. She seems like mm-hmm. knock on wood. Hopefully, I think I hope she's doing well. I hope, of course, I want everyone to be doing well all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just those little nuggets of validation of like. Yeah. I'm so glad you see me because that means I see you because yes. I'm not doing this just as a vanity piece. Like I said, I always worry like, yeah. is it just like, oh, it's ego. <laughs> I just want to sing about how cool my life is. <laughs> I mean, granted, there are some like funny stories I'm excited to share, which are vanity pieces, which yeah. we could just call stand up maybe. Yeah. Um, but to, to have those songs and those, yeah. those moments of connectivity where, yeah. Yeah, but the doubt, mm-hmm. the doubt, my yeah, God, it's brutal. the doubt. It's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> I mean, I remember when first writing with Katie, and this is actually one of my favorite songs. Um, I have lots of favorite songs, but this mm-hmm. is one that has like a benchmark in my brain of me going, oh, I can do this. You yeah. know, is that aha song? And oh, it's the it? Don't Take For Granted from Seasons, <gasps> <Yes>. <laughs> which is this song of... This, it's it's a it's a sad situation, but it's a mom that's passing away from cancer, and she sings this song to her adult daughter as she's more or less about to pass, mm-hmm. and it's her last words of wisdom, and it's about uh, and Katie wrote the the lyrics, but um, but it's uh, don't take for granted a single moment of your life, and you know that the mom she's going to be the the breeze, she's going to be the air, she's going to be she's going to be surrounding yes. her adult daughter for the rest of her life, and to not 
lament on her death, but to just live her life the best way that she can live her life, that that's the best gift that she can give her as a mom instead of staying in mourning and, and regretting to don't live a life of no regrets is more or less what mm-hmm. the mom is saying. Um, it's a beautiful song, but I remember getting those lyrics and reworking them and redoing them and coming up with that melody and it not being a normal song structure. Nothing about that song is a normal verse chorus. In fact, mm-hmm. I repeat the chorus twice up against each other, and you're not supposed to do that in songs, yeah. typically. You're not supposed to, like I broke rules, but it just felt right mm-hmm. to do it. So I said, to heck with it. I don't care. This is how this song breathes. This is how it feels. If I was in the hospital bed and I was a mom, I would not care about if I'm singing a song perfectly. I care about the message, and I care about trying to get this message to my daughter. So the way she sings it is in a very much grabbing you by the shoulders going, listen to me. Mm -hmm. I may be dying, but you need to listen to what I am saying. So she's repeating herself a lot. If I'm a composer and I'm coming at this and I'm saying, no, this has to be this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. If I'm soliciting to song structure, then I would have lost the intent. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm making this choice as somebody who really doesn't have an education in writing. So I'm just, I know songs. I'm a musician. I have you, an education. How many songs have you played? How many musicals do you know? So yeah, you may not right. have so, okay. like, you're right, you're right, you're uh, right. like a traditional, like sit yeah. down with a book education. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently that's what education is. <laughs> Sitting down with a book, that's an education, so, right? Yeah. So lean back. I, I am a musician. I am a trained musician. I'm a professional. So I can't say I don't have, you're right. Yeah. But I don't have that intricate knowledge of songwriting. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing for my gut. Anyways, long story short, it's too late for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 3 o'clock in the morning putting this on together, and I'm questioning. I'm in that moment of doubt. Yeah. I'm like, do I change it and make it normal, or do I leave it like it is? Yeah. And I know Katie's coming the next day to listen to this song. And I'm like, I'm nervous to do this for Katie. Mm-hmm. And I decided to leave it like uh, leave it unstructured, how I left it with the repeating chorus and everything. And I remember playing it for Katie and Katie looking at me going, Oh my God. You know, and I, I'm gonna cry. Yeah. And uh, we called the we used to call it the Bernadette Peters song for a long time because it's a very <laughs> Bernadette Peters that like uh, emotional. Yeah. But she was just like, that's that's the song for yeah. the show. And that instant validation from Katie was like, okay. I can do this. Yeah. I can do it my way and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep doing it my way. Yeah. Do it. Damn <laughs> I, I it. Hit the table Slam the table. I'm very yeah. passionate. I've kicked a computer. I've yeah. Well, table. you're passionate. <laughs> it is. They're, because you talk about those that doubting moments and you sit there for hours going, is should I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? Is this right? Is this wrong? Does this work? Yeah, Does it not I work? Do I send it out to the do world? Do, do then I, I do? look stupid yeah. and then I'm scared. Yeah. And Everybody's then, like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. You know, you go through all those you're cycles. Like, oh, God, you're so pathetic. And, uh, yeah. But what's one of the main songs that people remember from that show? Every time it's done, that's led that show. Yeah. It's that song. Yeah. That's like the, what they call it? The, 10 o'clock number. 11 o'clock number. It's a little later than 10. I'm earlier. It's the 9.30 number. It's the early bird special number. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so the 11 o'clock number. 11 o'clock number, yeah. Yes, it is. It is. You know. So good. Uh, But yeah, so you talk about those, that's one of those moments where I just, I wreathed in doubt, but it was like, no, you stick to your gut. Oh, I know. That's one of my favorite questions to ask. Has anything surprised you during this journey of writing songs? Not with just Lady Juliana, but with any of the songs that you've written. Has anything surprised you about yourself or about the process or what you your relationship to music? 
it you that last nugget that you just said, my relationship to music drastically changed when I started writing. Because prior to that, I had written things. I had written things, but they were small and, and not including a storyline. But when I started to it gave me a new respect for how impactful music was when I started writing. When you sit in an audience, I remember this. We, we, the very first time I heard somebody else play my music was in Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma City University did, did Seasons, and Seasons wasn't even finished yet. They oh. had done like a 45-minute, they were doing a new work showcase, mm-hmm. and they had selected Seasons. I remember them saying that they loved Blue Jay. That was the song from Seasons that they had kind of held on to, and um, that they, that inspired them to want to take the show. So they did a 45-minute. It was the, it was this juniors and seniors, you know, from the college. And me and Katie flew out. It was a huge snowstorm. It was terrible weather. In Oklahoma City? Oklahoma City, yeah. Oh. It, they, it was years ago. And they had a huge storm. Like, flights were being canceled left and right. I didn't know if I was going to make it. Oh, dang. Uh, but we made it out there, and, and it was a great house. It was a great audience. And in conjunction with this, my brother lives in Oklahoma City, uh, one of my brothers, and uh, and he came out. And, uh, but prior, anyway, it's during the rehearsal. I remember sitting in the audience and Katie was sitting next to me and listening to another piano player play sheet music that I had created, which I had never created sheet music before mm-hmm. in my life. So I'm a rookie and I'm like, oh God, I hope it's okay. <laughs> you know, that's my first thought is like, oh, I hope I don't get judged. I'm professional. I know how to do this. I don't know anything, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but sitting back and listening and watching your characters and watching other people play your music and then create it and take it even further, create harmonies and stuff like that in a good way, go, wow, like this exists. And I bawled. And Katie was, Katie was, was affected as well. Both of us were just like, oh, this is, this is tangible Mm -hmm. now. This isn't, that was the first moment where this isn't just an idea. It isn't just us doing a reading. This isn't us producing this. This is somebody else taking stock in this and thinking it's worthy and then doing it. And it's just bizarre. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. I cannot explain that feeling when you feel – when you're not involved in it at all. You're sitting back in the audience and you're watching yourself on stage. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's like a very out body, outer body experience. And um, and that's – that m- seeing that impact – Mm-hmm. That and then I brought my brother earlier. Seeing my brother cry watching something that I created is just like, and seeing his family respond to it was just validating. Not going into details of my background, but <laughs> it was very validating to have that fam- familial yeah. support. Yeah, to go. Okay, this is this is amazing. Yeah, and then then yeah. Being hooked on it from then. But it's that that um, seeing the power of it, mm-hmm. you know. Like you talked about the two girls uh, that responded to Happy Bink Girl. During that that run, there was a girl that had come up to me saying she just lost her mom to cancer. Oh, baby. And that hit home. I mean, yeah. that's she's literally living what we were putting on stage. Mm-hmm. But she didn't come at me weeping about how bad it was. She came at me saying there's a song called um, uh, Hope's Panic. We used to call it Hope's um uh, uh, yeah, there was another name for it. I can't remember, but it was a hopes panic, and uh, and it's literally the daughter, the adult daughter. Mm-hmm. Once she realizes that her mom is not okay, break down on stage. Yeah. Like she just she yells at God. She's yelling at the doctors. She's just losing it because she's realizing that she's gonna lose her mom. And and I remember the the girl coming up to me and saying, it was hard to see that, 
But in that moment, she's like, that was me. And to know that it was okay to have those feelings. Yeah. It's okay to question God. It was okay that other people have felt the same thing. She's like, it was so like, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, other people grieve like this too. Other people responded irrationally like this too because that's normal. Mm -hmm. And that was so powerful. Yeah. You know? And I just hugged her because I felt so terrible. Of course. <laughs> you know, you just feel terrible. But, um, but yeah, so um, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> did anything <coughs> – sorry, I choked on my own spit a little bit. Uh, did anything surprise you on your journey yeah. of, like, writing yeah. music so that, and relationship to music and stuff? That was a surprise because I had never experienced that before. Mm-hmm. So I, – and I didn't – it was it's a brand new thing. I, you don't know what to expect when you walk into those circumstances. You're like, oh, yeah. great, they're doing my musical. And then you sit there and you're having this visual, yeah. physical response to it. And you're just going, holy crap. <laughs> you know? This yeah. is a thing now. This is, I just created something that's now going to live beyond me. Yeah. You know? It's, it's funny. I speak to um, a lot of artists. For the most part, I've been t- speaking to people um, in the creative field. And so often it's about community, the reason that, yeah. that drives us, the reason why we're inspired and what touches mm-hmm. us is to find, you know, like we are not alone. We yeah. have shared experiences. Yeah. We, we see this, whether it be in storytelling or um, opera or, you yeah. know, comedy or whatever. It's these things that make us um, a community and, and help us support each other, whether we know that we're doing it or not. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're, we're helping each other. Yeah. And that's my burp for you. Um, <laughs> I actually want to talk about how you how you create music. Um, again, I'll, I'll mostly speak to uh, Happy Pink Girl stuff since I was there for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is something I had never experienced before. Well, I guess I'll back up a little bit and go mm-hmm. to um, either Delayed or, or Seasons because you, I yeah. was very fortunate that I got to sing along yeah. with those as well. Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, um, what you mentioned about sheet music, that you didn't yeah. write sheet music. Elaine <laughs> has this remarkable brain where <laughs> she's given lyrics and, like, retold the lyrics. So I guess yeah. we can we can talk yeah. about Happy Pink Girl too. Yeah. Where she just has written things on I mean they're chords they're, they're chords, chords so like so you could they're chord, chord charts, charts but like the rhythm of things like what's happening where none of that is it's written down, written down. <laughs> it's like your sacred tome that no one can play these songs or do oh, these songs because you're bringing up a sore point <laughs> <laughs> no I don't mean to no I'm not trying to shame you I'm not I think it's incredible that you yeah. have like seven musicals in your brain yeah because that's just how you play them so yeah. if you if you look around the corner, like if you see her with her sheet music, it's lyrics with stuff written. Couple on stuff, it. little things. Stop here, go here. Yeah, <laughs> do and, this faster. And like sometimes you'll put like the like the the chords, the, the chords and like yeah. maybe the pattern or something. I sometimes do. you're like, what's the hook on that one? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, and then because I forget sometimes, I'm not infallible. Yeah, but um, but if I'm, once I practice it enough, it stays in my head. Like it's there. It they just yeah. I have my own little shorthand mm-hmm. where I'll I'll it's not. Anything other musicians don't already use. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll do a little bit of a tick where, like, if it's a certain hook or a certain rhythm, mm-hmm. I'll notate dots and lines for long, short, long, short. Mm-hmm. Or I'll write out the rhythm. If it's a if it's a very specific hook, I will write out the notes. Or I'll write out even just the letter names of the notes. I'll be like, yeah. G-G-G-A, G-G-G-A, that kind of mm-hmm. thing if I know it's a certain pattern. Uh, but outside of that, I do legitimately just keep it in my head. It it's, just stays there. <laughs> 
it's it's a remarkable thing to see because you're like, oh, she must have like just all the chords, and you know, you think of like the the sacred tome of the musical, and it's just <laughs> paper with lyrics and a lot of stuff written on it. That's just a secret, yeah, just for Elaine's brain. It is only that's how I that's how I maintain my uh, exclusivity. Is <laughs> I no one can get in, nobody can, can get in, and there's I forgot the password, and so I only can access it because I'm already in the. You know, if I lose this computer, we're done. We're done. <laughs> You know, yeah. when you sign into an account, you have signed in a while, and you're thankful that you you have that memory where they can remember the password because yeah. you have don't for the life of you know what the oh, password is. Oh, I literally is. did that for the podcast I'm launching tonight. I'm like, uh, I don't know how to uh, do this. <laughs> it's like, I hope, I hope the computer remembers. Yeah, the computer, I mean, uh, I know how to do this, but yeah, do I remember the password? Yay, thank you. Uh, smartphones so, that are creepy. Yeah. But I just have a lot, Is you talk about now the logistics of writing. I... I'm a very rhythmic writer, mm-hmm. and I write in patterns uh, very often. And so those musicians out there will know that everything is built off of progressions. So or a group of pattern or a group of uh, chords that are family that go mm-hmm. together. You know, one, four, five, one, three, minor, five, four, one, six, minor, four, five. These are all patterns. And so you plug them into different keys. And so it, the reason it stays is my, staying in my head is because I know the key, I know the pattern. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just the little nuances that you just remember. And um, and it changes. It's funny how I write extremely different now than I did when I started. Really? Oh yeah, very okay. different. And for and also different styles. For instance, Lady Juliana is very uh, Les Mis, very fan of the opera. It's a mm-hmm. it's a legit musical. They would term that as mm-hmm. me. It's it's very it's singing very clean classic singing. Where seasons and delayed are contemporary musical. Mm-hmm. So you got riffing and you've got it's very forward placement. It's very bright. So. Um, just through learning how to write those different styles mm-hmm. has also made me a better musician. So through writing, it's made me a better writer. You, it, as a teacher, I always use the term, the best way to start something is to start because once you start moving in a certain direction, things will inevitably come to you to help you on that journey to make you reach the end. So that's how that's I really feel that with my musical writing is that I have become a better writer because I have simply just chosen to do it. And so along the way, I've picked up skills and I've picked up experiences and I've listened to other writers and I've watched other musicals and I've made mistakes. And so inevitably you grow your craft, you become better at it. You know, yeah. Uh, there's also that book out there. I think it's the Outliers that says it takes ten thousand hours to become an yeah. expert at something or practiced, you know, expert. And that's that's very true. You can be good at something, but if you want to be a master and excellent at it, you have to you have to cultivate that yeah. time. And so just through the actions of doing it, it's been cultivated. But yeah, and I've changed styles. Like I get bored of certain sure. styles too. I'm like, nah, I don't want to write that way anymore. I'm going to go minor or I'm yeah. going to go this or I'm going to go there or I'm going to be more, I'm going to use more of a Latin flair or, oh, I'm going to change up these rhythms. And and I notice also as my emotions change, like mm-hmm. what's going on in my life changes how I write too. Ah. Oh, very much so. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. And that's what's in my head right now. Check it. Check it. Check it. Check it. Check you have to do the dance move. They're not seeing yeah. me thrust my shoulders yeah. back and forth. There are good shoulders, the dance. And there's good boobs. <laughs> there's yep. all kinds of good things happening here. 
both me and Sarah are very blessed. We are very <laughs> blessed with the bosoms. <laughs> the bosoms of creativity. The, May they burn. They my musicals from my bosoms. <laughs> it's amazing that we got any work done, really. As promised, here are three tracks from the various musicals that Elaine and I were talking about. Now, these are rehearsal tracks or cue tracks. They're instrumental in learning and rehearsing music. So this is a real behind-the-scenes look at what it is to write, create, produce, rehearse, and get a musical up on its feet. The first song is from Seasons, which is written by Katie Hammond and Elaine Pahacek. It's called Don't Take For Granted, and Elaine sings that. The next two songs are from the Lady Juliana, written by Elaine Pahacek. The first song is called Damaged Cargo by Joshian Morales. And the last song, my personal favorite with its gorgeous harmonies and just unbelievable musical undercurrent, is called The Night. And that is sung by Tiana Akers, Brittany Cheek, Kayla Kelsey Morales, and Becky Herbach. Please enjoy this musical glimpse of Lady Juliana and Seasons. Enjoy. Say there's not much time left But do not be afraid I'm ready now to tell you All the things I've never thought to say
Why did I ever take this commission? It was a choice I lament every day These women deem worthless by the admission Of a country that's thrown them away Why should I care? They're nothing but damaged cargo A waste of a prayer To a God who smite them rightfully so They're nothing to me Counsel that this would change my career A captainship I would accrue Sailing abroad to a new frontier A small price for my own ship and crew So I don't care They're nothing but damaged cargo A waste of a prayer To a god who smite them rightfully so to me a fiance soon to be my wife a true beauty in most eyes but it's her wealth dowry and status that I crave I'll not deny so I don't of a prayer to a God who smite them rightfully so they're nothing to me it is them who chose their lot in life blaming God and country a pitiful excuse it is better to die than to live but accept their filth I must refuse So I don't care They're nothing but damaged cargo A waste of a prayer To a God who smite them rightfully so